Welcome to Tinker Pod. I'm your host, Bradford Harris, and this is the podcast where I focus on topics such as esports, educational technology, motivation, and self care. On today's podcast, I focus on educational technology and its direction in 2020 and in the new decade with another friend of mine, Tisha Pasia. Hello, everyone. This is Bradford, and welcome to Tinker Pod. I'm super excited that you could take time to listen. Uh, to this episode today, I have a very special guest, a longtime friend, Miss Tisha Poncio. I'm so finally excited I got to talk to you um, because we missed out on a lot. We side talk, <laughs> but this, I'm really excited for this conversation today. We are focusing on educational technology and, you know, where it's headed. So Tisha, why don't you go and tell our listeners who you are and what is your actual position where you're at? So I'm Tisha Poncio, Digital Learning Specialist at Salina High School in Salina, Texas, and I am the founder of SWAT, Students Who Advocate Technology, and the creator of the Students Can Lead movement, and I have been in education for 20 years. Before we get into all of our questions, this just popped popped in my head, actually popped in my head yesterday. I think you did, uh, I think you sent out a tweet maybe a year or so ago. I think this is maybe was for your grad school project, I think. I don't know if it was you or not, but I think it was, the tweet was like, click on this link to let me know what your title, your actual official title is. Was that you that did that? Uh And you turned it it into a word cloud. (laughs) And I thought that was very awesome because the question was, instructional technology specialist, ed tech, media specialist, what is your role? And so for our teachers and listeners out there, you're a digital uh, learning specialist. I'm a digital learning specialist, but there's also instructional technology specialists. There's media specialists. There's tech liaison. All of these words are out there. But in your opinion, uh, what, what does it all mean to you? Well, I think that people are using different titles just to make themselves really unique. For a long time, I was called an instructional technology specialist. And I think for just the people who aren't really in that position or in the ed tech world, they were getting it confused with technology. So they were thinking I was more behind the scenes, back in networking, <laughs> programming, right. which I can do all of those things, but that wasn't my my position. I think essentially they really all do the same thing, which is to support teachers um, or educators, administrators, students in learning and how to really integrate those digital tools into their classroom. That's really the bottom line. No matter what we're calling it, we're all doing the same thing and trying to hit that same goal. I agree. And I think the word, and uh, forgive me listeners, if you if you have the word technology in your role, but I think the misconception is that when we add the word technology, and I know there was been a bit, there's been debates about this for like years, but when we add that word technology and that they, they do like what you said, they're thinking, oh, I'm coming to install a printer. I'm coming to code something for your program. I'm coming to do these things. But there's that shift in the last couple of years where, yeah, we do technology, but if you really stop and think about it, I remember my friends telling me everything's technology. The pencil that I'm holding in my hand, that's technology. It, the piece of paper in, in, a, in a degree is technology. So it was what defines what technology is. It's something to improve, to me, this is Bradford saying it, to improve, improve your daily workflow. 
But when you put that word in there, some people who, and I'm not going to say not educated, who just don't know, they assume technology, you're coming to fix something. Where, right. as I know for us, we, in my, in my team, we thought about it. I know other teams have thought about it as well. Well, we're trying to get not just the students to learn digitally, but we're trying to get our adults to learn digitally as oh. well. it's really about all of them and you know um i tweeted that out actually it wasn't for a grad school project it was for a rebranding of my department and to try to pull away from being the tech like you were saying you know installing the printers fixing the copiers we were really wanting to focus on the digital learning that was happening in our schools and we just thought that was going to be a better title for us and it really has i will say i've done instructional technology digital coaching for this will be my 12th year i believe and so i definitely see a shift in my teachers better understanding what my role is just by changing that title exactly and it's that and you know and it's not and again in my opinion it's not just about the title you can call it whatever you want you can call it i don't know sweeping the room person whatever it's about the marketing and the branding and what you're trying to put out there for your teachers and your students we want to shift it i do remember and i know this is going way off topic but it's leading you know it's leading to something we can backtrack to where we were both at TCEA, and I remember when I first met you, and then they were talking about your accolades, and I just looked like, dang, girl, you you do a lot. Like, oh, my God, that's amazing. Like, you do all of these things, and I know you said the same thing, too. I'm like, wow, you know. I was yeah. like, girl, girl, I hope you get it. He's like, I hope you get it. And but Neither one of us got it. <laughs> neither, neither, neither one of us got it, and congratulations still to the person that got it. I forgot her name. I'm sorry. Yes, yes, but, uh, yes. It wasn't, it's about where we're at and how we're moving forward. And when I was talking with my director, before we were, we were like 80 of us and we went down to about 20, I had a long conversation with her about the, where I was going and what I was doing. And I've, I've done all I could do on my campus. I'm not saying that in a bad way, but I, like I said, I told my bosses, you know, look out the window, like, you know, I'm not saying that they don't need me. But like my campus is mobile, they're doing these things. And so now I can feel my own shift to where I can leave this campus and they would still be okay because of the stuff that I have put in place, the learning that's going on. Now, were they 100% great? No, they weren't. No, no campus is. But I'm like, I'm ready for the next level. I'm, I'm ready for to be a a digital learning specialist. I didn't say it that way, but we had those conversations because yes, I can see, like I can see when I walk on your campus, you know, the minute I walk in, this is happening, that is happening. And it's all because of that blended learning and using those digital tools and being able to communicate with each other. So uh, yeah, it's all about, like you said, it's all about the marketing and how you're branding yourself and telling the educators and principals and administrators, this is what I can do for you. Yes. And you got to keep you got to keep on saying it. You can't just say it one time. No, you have to say it over and over and over and over. Even even for some of those teachers I've worked with for 12 years, I still have to say, so here's what I can help you with. And I have to remind them a lot of times every week, here are the things that you should call me for. Here's how I can help you. Um, It's just that repetitive. But like you said, that's the goal is getting our campus, our teachers, our students to where the autonomy is happening. We've taught them that they're they're ready to level up. And I, I think, like you said, it's really about just that continuation um, moving forward. It's about 
it's about empowerment. It's about I'm Absolutely. not I'm, I'm not going to say I'm not going to help you, but I'm I'm shifting what I'm going to do for you. Doesn't mean I'm leaving you in the dark. It's just that I am going to empower you. And my team felt that last year, well, I'm not going to say we felt it. We knew what was going to happen, but in that old role when they said, okay, we need to make you guys smaller. You, you, we're going to shift you into something else. Well, here comes August, 2019, and we're no longer there. And a lot of people had a lot, a lot of questions like, wait a minute, what about this? What about this? What about this? What about this? Yes. Well, this is what happens when you slowly remove and you have a misconception about what your title is. And so yeah. we came in August, 2019, we had to make, you know, these public statements, these announcements. This is what we want to do for you. This is how we're going to empower you, you to empower your students and to empower each other. And so I and you, you you have to do that with the, the educators and the and the administrators. You have to do that for them because you want them to do that for their students. And there's no way for them to really learn that unless you do that with them, right? You so do. you, I mean, you have is. to model. You have to model and you have to talk about, well, this is where the real world is going. We have to model and reflect that. And we have to make sure that our students are able to, all of our students have an equitable chance to be exposed, not just to the learning tools, but the, the four C's. Right. That was me getting on my soapbox. <laughs> I love it. I love it. No, it's all, it's all true. Preach. Uh, yeah. I always tell Brian, I always tell Brian Smith, preach. That's what you were right? doing. Um, so that leads into the question, though. So how did you get get started in educational technology? So I'm, I am going to put the word in there because I think when you say educational technology, there is a blended approach to it. But how did you get started in educational technology and what drives you to keep doing it? Well, it's very interesting because I've talked about this story with almost every single person I really have time to kind of chat with about 20 years, that was a long time ago. Things have, have definitely evolved since I started teaching, but it goes really back to 1995, which is crazy. I didn't really know that my path was getting set up for educational technology, but in 1995, my parents handed me a Toshiba laptop and just basically threw the box at me for my birthday and was like, we know you like technology and video games and here you go. And I figured out pretty quickly how to connect to the internet, you know, dial-up modem back then. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Didn't even know, and I knew nothing. I did not know. It took me probably three good hours to figure out, oh, I need to plug this into where the phone is. And once I got it connected, I started just, my brain just knew what to do, right? That is the craziest story. It was the weirdest experience. So I just kept kind of going down that track. Um, ended up in college taking programming, computer information systems as part of my degree, CIS. Okay. So programming and, and networking and I cabled things. I mean, I learned so much. Uh, I actually went to Lubbock Christian University. So I have to shout out to John Bemerel because he also is an alumni from LCU. After I left there, um, you know, I knew I wanted to teach computers uh, in the classroom. And I was thinking back then more business computers because that's what there was and so I started out teaching that 
And then it sort of just evolved multimedia, then web mastering, then programming in high school. That, that is what I started out teaching. I also have English degrees, an English degree. So I was teaching English. I mean, it was, it was just all encompassed. And back in college, my, my advisors told me, no, you are crazy. Why would you pair CIS with English? And I fought for that. They, they honestly wow. advised me not to do it. And I said, you're crazy. I'm doing it. And now it has served me so well. In 08, someone told me about this new position called instructional technology. And I was like, what, what, what is that? And they explained it a little bit. And I thought, oh, well, that's something I'd be really good at. So I applied. Ironically, I applied to be the instructional technologist at an elementary campus. And I'm not elementary certified. But I knew that I, um, I knew a couple of things. I knew that I loved teaching and I knew it didn't matter what age that I was right. teaching. And I knew that I knew technology. So I went in and honestly, that's where I started was elementary instructional technology, coaching my elementary teachers, just loved that campus and then was teaching broadcasting. Also, I've done broadcasting and yearbook. <laughs> wow. So that's really how I got in. And then... It just really evolved from there. I have worked almost on every campus in my district coaching teachers, but it, it really has been, it's a great story. Just thinking back, I had so many great opportunities that set me up for this position. And I just, I love it. I, I can't think of, you know, I could go back in the classroom and teach programming or webmastering or broadcasting, but this job really takes everything that I love and everything that is my talent and puts it in one space for me. Right. And right. I love it. So anybody that talks to me will, will usually say, we just feel the passion that you have about it. And that's how you know it's something you're supposed to be doing. <laughs> right. I think what I got out of what you just said was not so much a technology part is that you had adults that gave you exposure. And oh, yeah. because of the relationship you had with your parents, not, it doesn't have to just be with the parent. It could have been any adult, but you, yours was your parents. It was the offering of exposure from what's going on in the real world. And they knew that you love technology because of your personality and whatnot and things that you like to do. So you were being exposed to whatever you could have just fallen off and said oh you know i don't want to do it and you could have went to something else and i think you would your parents would have been okay with it but it was a I, to me what i'm getting from it is a relationship was being built with what your what they saw was passionate with yeah. you and how that could be moved forward because then i noticed you talked about well uh was it i'm shifting with ell or did you say ela i forgot ela i i yeah. was a an english teacher mm -hmm. right so then you shifted it to okay i want to do this with content and <laughs> the funny thing that you that you just said when you said your person no you're crazy we're still hearing that today it's so odd that years ago when you were trying to do this we're still yeah. having those same conversations to where they're not feeling like that those two don't make sense they don't talk but you're saying yes it does it organically yeah. happens because i mean this is where this is where our kids are going and i'm not talking about just the technology part this is how they're being brought up and it's not about right. i need this device to learn ela it's my content happens to just be on this device but i'm mm -hmm. but i have to put forth the effort to do the four c's to 
think collaboratively, to create, to collaborate, and so on and so forth. This one tool, and I'm holding a piece of paper, but uh, we're, people are, are trying to figure out what I'm saying. But this one tool <laughs> is only going to take me so far. I got to take it to the next step. Okay, because you just said, I learned technology from this, but how can I fit it with my content? What does that look like? And that's what I think in our world we want people to understand is we're not trying to really put it in the box. We want to blend with you. We want to um, collaborate with you. Literally, I just left work and we're, we're going to do a walkthrough of a campus tomorrow and with the math department and the program director was like, you know, can we, I don't want to take a lot of stuff. Can we do this digitally? Of course you can. This is, can I just see them collaborating on a Google slide and then they present it. Yes. And that's all it takes. And then I always tell people, you know, I'm not asking you uh, to code program or do anything like that. I'm not even asking you to be Tony Stark or George Jetson. I just want you to be exposed to learn. Just like how you want to expose me to ELA, you want to expose me to math, you want to expose me to all of these things. I can expose you to this and you see what works for you. So yeah, that's an awesome story. Well, I, w I was going to say, you know, just to speak to what you were talking about with your math department, that was something that I did this this week with my um, professional learning communities on my campus. I met with the departments and I really wanted to remind them that our kids aren't going out into the world. Like I'm not coming home going, oh, I need to do my math and balance my checkbook. You know, like I don't I don't say that to myself. I'm doing math and I'm doing science. Like when I'm making a recipe, I don't compartmentalize them in that way in my real life. But at school, so many of our department teachers are like, well, we can't really mingle with you because you're history or, you know, you're English and you don't do what I do. And I'm like, okay, wait, we have to come together. We need to be doing this together so we can teach our kids how to seamlessly be able to use these skills in their day-to-day -day life. So I agree. Um, That's the beauty of our role is that uh, when I tell people that no matter what title you call us, we see things from a global scale, a campus global scale, and even a global scale. So not only am I in charge of one campus, um, but oh, well, let's say I am in charge of one campus. I don't just talk to ELA. I'm not the ELA technology specialist. I have to see everybody. And I know that blue one math teacher, uh, not math teacher, uh, actually, yeah, she was a skill specialist. And I said, well, in my role, I have to know everybody. I have to know the kids and I have to know the adults. And I said, you'll <laughs> laugh, but in my mind, I have a, a an IEP for every single one of y'all because I need to know how all of you learn. And she's like, what? You I'm are like, exactly, you are not wrong about that. That is absolutely the truth. And I feel like I am constantly referring to my invisible IEP for my yes, teachers, yes. making sure that they're meeting goals. <laughs> exactly. I'll say, if I can talk to the principal about this, if, if it's like learning a Google app, this is how I have to approach my principal. If I if it's for a teacher, this is how I approach it. And it's the same thing. <laughs> but when I tell them, I'm like, are you, are you serious? Like, yes, I have to know every single person on this campus. Now shift that into a global scale. I'm looking and my team is looking at the same thing, but we see a lot going on and we're very logistical people. We, before you jump ahead and say, we want to do this. We're like, okay, what about this? What about this? How about bringing mm -hmm. this person? How about bringing this person? 
and I'm not going to say it rubs them the wrong way, but they don't think about it like that because they're so compartmentalized. Like we, we're only going to do right. this one thing here, but we're seeing it as, okay, but if you want to do this one thing, you may want to talk to the counseling department because they have this, or you may want to talk to the math department because they can do this. Have you thought about putting all this together on a Google Doc and, and, and in a, let's say, Nearpod, for example, or whatever tool so that it all connects? And they're like, well, we just want to do this one thing. But it connect, there are different pieces that connect and you want everybody to speak the same language. And in our role, that we can help you with that. And so yeah. they go, oh, okay, okay, I get it. I, I get it. And they may receive it or they may not receive it, but we have to be that message. You know, the, the other thing, just to speak to that point is, uh, you know, I did that this week. I gave them a, a little, so they walked in. I was like, bring your iPads, make sure they're charged. Um, of course, they're like the students, so some of them didn't come charged or with their iPads. Okay, but so it's not just me. <laughs> No, we did this activity. I pulled up a, a Google slide and I thought of it really, some of my best lessons are last minute lessons. And I had them traveling from where we are in Salina to Lubbock, Texas. And I just said, I want you to illustrate for me your route. How are you getting there? What car are you driving? What stops are you making? And I want you to do it independently. Well, that really confused them because normally I'm like, oh, collaboration, <laughs> communication, we have to do this all, you know, but you know, partners or whatever. But so they worked on it. I gave them about 10 or 15 minutes. I put together a, a fun little iTunes happy playlist for them. And I, I had a several, I know as, as a, a coach, just like me, you know that I am hitting several goals with this activity. One, I needed them to be more exposed to that iPad because they're, you know, we switched mm. over to iPads this year and they're not loving it that, you know, they're not, it, it's hard. Change is always hard. I wanted them to sit in the seat of a student. I wanted them to struggle. So they knew how their students were struggling when they're giving them assignments. I also wanted them to, to learn that there is not the way, but there's a way. And they all mm -hmm. shared their, their routes to Lubbock were all different. The cars they drove were different colors, different models. Everything was different. They didn't stop at the same places. And, and kind of my ending for that was, please remember how this felt when you are working with your students this week. Remember that they're all needing to stop at different places and they're taking different routes. They're all not gonna get there the same time but they're all going to get there. Right. And so that's really the goal. And, and so it was, it was really good. I, I watched them struggle, but I think it's so important um, for them to remember. And, you know, they weren't just using math skills either or English skills or history. They were using a lot of skills. They were using a lot of skills. And I yeah. think, I don't, and I don't know if you point this out to them, but you felt a, you, it, during that assignment, you may have felt alone, but know this, you're not alone because now you see, that everybody has a different type of a struggle, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. but absolutely. Uh, but now you sh you can understand what it means to work collaboratively. If you if one person doesn't understand it, you can't. It's okay to shift to somebody and say, "Hey, I don't understand this. I need help." So I, I can only imagine what that visually looked like—the struggle and them feeling all they're all alone and I can't do it. But yeah. now they realize, okay, with this device or with this concept, I can still I can rely 
on other things around me and that includes other people. That's a, that's and awesome. And that, that's, that goes back to what you said about empowering them, right? Empowering them to be okay being alone, but still knowing they're together or empowering them to feel okay in that struggle. And then to know yeah. they're going to overcome that. So during our little nice two week break, Christmas break, we had our new year's Eve thing. I didn't party or anything like that, but automatically this post came up and it said, and just like that, 1990 is officially 30 years ago. And I had to stop and I stared at it. It was, I wish I could show you, but um, it was big and purple. And I'm like, oh my God, 1990 was 30 years ago. And I shared it with a lot of people like, oh my God, everybody's saying, oh my God. With that being said, with the direction you said you were doing things with your teachers and the conversation that we had, do you think when it comes to digital learning that we teach as if it were 1990 still? And how do you think we can improve and catch up to digital learning in 2020? Well, Bradford, my answer <laughs> is yes. I do think some of us in the world are still teaching as if it's 1990. I think that's a mindset we are going to continue to have to overcome. And I think that there is a misconception and a myth that younger teachers don't believe that we should teach like, you know, the 1900s. I mean, you know, the rows and desks and, you know, I, there's a misconception definitely at my school that the younger teachers are going to grasp things quicker or they're mo more open-minded. That's definitely not true. You're exactly um, but right. I, I, yeah, I think overall, you know, we really need to continue improving because we're just not there yet. We're just not there, I think, as a whole. I think it's much easier to do what we've always done because it, it's it quote unquote works. <laughs> but we, we, you know, and, and I think your, your question was, how can we improve and catch up to the digital learning in 2020? I believe that part of the reason that we are not caught up is because of fear. Um, I, exactly. I recently, you know, at, at TCCA, um, I presented on digital citizenship and shared with the audience we cannot let fear keep us from empowering and teaching our children or our educators and teachers and administrators how to navigate the digital world. And right. I think there is a lot of fear that comes with the unknown. And for many adults who have taught in the 90s, there is that unknown and that fear. And so again, I think it comes back to what you said in the beginning, which is empowering those people around us to show them that there's nothing to be afraid of, you know, just coaching them through that. Yeah, it's I agree. Be a process, <laughs> and I think, and I've often thought about this, and I look at people around me, I think that old mindset, that old regime of educators is still there. I don't know how it would it's like in your district, but what I see around me, not just in my district, but in other districts, you still have that old regime and that old mindset. And now it's 2020. And things are changing. And I'm not just going to say it's tech because it's not. They're discovering like, and I'm not saying they just discovered this now, but children have different modalities of learning. Adults have different modalities of learning. And the curriculum has to start changing. Things evolve the way we, we think things are different. We have to start thinking about things that are equitable. We have to start thinking about all of these things that are encompassing a student and, you know, digital citizenship, all that stuff. And there are certain things that I think with that old regime of educators makes them uncomfortable. 
because mm-hmm. now we're having to start looking at other things and you just said it you know it's that mentality well we've always done it this way and this way works well now it may work but it's only going to work for a small population uh yeah. adult our adults and our students our adult teachers and our students they come from so many different backgrounds and so, and they come with baggage or they come with great things and we have to accommodate all of that so when you have that desk row 1990 mentality it it really doesn't work and i'm not going to say it scares the adults but i think with those not those 1990 mindset people they're trying to figure out okay well where do i fit in with this do i literally just stay with it and just figure it out or do i retire and go on my merry way what do i do because i'm not going to acknowledge and i've kind of heard people say i'm not going to acknowledge that they're learning faster than me so that is a great point right there i mean that oh i could talk about that all day but that's really what it's about it's it's not necessarily even changing the mindset about how the desks are in the classroom it's about like you said it's different than it was they don't have to depend on the teacher with all the knowledge (laughs) they're going out to youtube and figuring out how to do all kinds of things and so we we really have to figure out how to empower our teachers and our administrators how to work side by side and learn side by side with those students that was my motive for putting together my SWAT team i envisioned my students being able to sit with a teacher and them learning together simultaneously and and when when you can reach that point of going it's okay for this 16 year old student and i to be sitting here being on the same playing field that is when everything changes right because learning is 24 7 and learning is accessible it may not be the right content that you're looking for but it's accessible and it's exposed everywhere. And so no longer am I waiting, a teacher is waiting for, I'm gonna wait for that May 11th PD to get everything I need. I'm gonna contact Tisha on the phone, not text. She just posted something about whatever, what, uh, about student student leadership. I wanna know what you did. And, you, and not only do I wanna know what you did, I want the link that you shared it with me. Yep. And, and you already have it out there, free for everybody to use. I didn't have to go to a conference. I didn't have to wait to see you come down. I didn't have to wait for a PO. I can literally (laughs) see your YouTube video or I can call you on the phone or I can, I can connect. Long story short, I can connect with you. I can, Mm -hmm. it's easier to connect now. And I think that's what it's hard for some people to understand, understand we're getting there. Uh, I'm not saying we're not getting there fast enough, but I think what will really truly help is you know, starting with an open mind, maybe not necessarily, I can't believe I'm saying this, changing the mindset, because I know that when people say mindset, they're like, oh my God, then that means you're making me do something I don't want to do. But right. I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm, I'm want to say it's open your mind and let's do baby steps. I can't, uh, my friend, my friend, Karen Lofton, shout out to Karen Lofton. She would always tell me, because I would come in with these grand ideas. <laughs> I want to build the moon and I want the kids to levitate and all this kind of stuff. And she's like, whoa, Bradford, I am a teacher and, I, and I'm and i open to what you're saying, but let's do baby steps. Flash forward to years later, I'm talking to a program director and I'm still saying the same thing. <laughs> but, but what she said to me was different. What she told to me was, yes, baby steps, but I need for you, like I'm about to learn your world in technology. 
I need for you to learn my world and math so that we can be on the same page. So let's do baby steps. I want to innovate. I want to do all of these great things, but we need to get to know each other and we need to get to know each other's content so we can be on the same uh, playing field. So I think that's where really what it all starts with is being able to have an open mind to things. And that will give you the longevity you need. You may not, your campus may not be one-to-one. You may not be all in Google Drive. It may be three teachers that are into it, but you started somewhere and it's going to grow. And you're building those relationships and you're getting people to have that open mind and start having those hard conversations with where, what direction do we need to go to? And who can I rely on? If I, if I'm having trouble relying on so-and-so on my campus, which that's a different story, um, I can I can connect with somebody on Twitter or an email or wh- whatever my mode of communication is. So yeah, long story short, I think it's about um, being open-minded. With, with that, we're leading up to our next question. Some of our teachers and administrators see technology and curriculum as something separate. They're two different things. That's what some may be saying. What advice can you give for our educational leaders on how this can be a blended approach? Well, I think it just really comes back to what you said, being open-minded. I think for the leaders that are leading the educators, which, you know, we are leaders, you and I in our, in our role, but um, it's so important. I think you and I really have a great role because we can influence our leaders to be more about that blended learning and just encouraging it. Right. I mean, just encouraging that and being able to build that trust with those educators and and teachers and I think when the administrators can really come in and build relationships and be intentional about that then their educators are going to trust them and when the educators trust them you know we have influence over both of those groups and populations and once that happens it really will set up naturally for those teachers and students to be more open-minded and to be more willing to take a risk Um, and that is something that I really I really focus on, I'm very intentional and I try to remember, this is something that I've really taught my SWAT team, you know, uh, a lot of the decisions in education are based on money. <laughs> I mean, yep. right? That's just the reality. So, uh, yeah. And so, I, you know, I, I always tell them like, you know, maybe this decision, whatever it is, is based on money, but I always want you to remember when you go out into the world and you're leading teams, because I believe my, my kids will do that. I said, never forget about the people. You may want this initiative to happen with your team, but you cannot forget about your people and you cannot forget um, or fail to be intentional about connecting with them where they are, wherever that is. Doesn't matter what, if it's about education or technology, it could be just asking about their family and building some sort of trust. But I think that's so important. Anytime an administrator, and you and I both know, and I've been in a a really long time, I've seen so many administrators, new um, superintendents come in and they want to push a new initiative. That happens every single time. Yeah. And so many people are resistant because truly they haven't really built that trust. They don't trust them enough to be able to go, okay, yeah, we trust you, this is gonna work. Um, And so I I just think that's really important. The blended learning also, 
I think this, I, I think that, and I'm really into leadership. So that was the other piece with my SWAT team. I love studying leadership. I read all the leadership books. I go through youth max training with my kids. I think our leaders have to be really great at modeling blended learning, whether they are alone, whether they are working, you know, independently or they're leading a meeting or they're leading a training, that's, they have to model it and they can't ask anybody else to do it unless they're going to model it. And, and that also is very difficult for some of them. So it is, um, it is, it, it, it's definitely a struggle, but I, again, I think it comes back to relationships. If those relationships are built and it's transparent relationships, authentic relationships, pouring into your teachers or students or educators, whoever it is, I, I really think building that trust, they're going to, they're going to do whatever you want. And, and proof of that is my SWAT team. <laughs> you have to come see them in action. Because I need to. I can, yeah, I could tell them. I've built trust with them so much. I could tell them anything. And a lot of times you'll hear me say to them, it's okay. It's not working out how we want it to work out, but it's okay. And we're going to be okay. Um, today was a perfect example. We had to problem solve something. And at first they were really, you know, sad. And I sat there for a minute and let them be in their sadness. And then I said, you know what? You are the best problem solvers I know, and we are going to find a solution. And this is all going to work out. And just within minutes, they started brainstorming and writing things out and, you know, shared Google Doc, just, just knocking it out. And so it, it's proof that if you can do that with your students, then it just levels up. You can do that no matter what level of the hierarchy you are. So. Right. And, I, and I've been a firm believer in the past two years that if you want us to do something for our students, you need to be able to deliver it to your coworkers as well. Because, I mean, it's rubbed me the wrong way and I've started to get comfortable about like, as a leader, you're telling me to do, well, I'm just saying, not all leaders are like this, but you're telling me to right. do one thing. But if you are my leader, if you are above me, and you're asking me to do something for somebody else you're not doing it for me i'm because because you're my you're you're supposed you're you're the person that i'm supposed to look at and go oh, okay this is the person that he or she wants me to take because he or she is modeling it to me you're my guy now you're not my only guy i can go to other things but if something's coming down the pipe and you want us to do certain things i want to see you doing it as well it doesn't have to be perfect but at least I have a reference. And that's why I always said, never tweeted it out, but I always would say, if an appraiser is evaluating me and telling me to do these things, how come when I go to a faculty meeting, I don't see the same concept? <laughs> I say that all the time too. And I'm like, yeah, if you want me to engage my, my students and you want me to do individualized learning and you want blended learning, I mean, that has, you, you have to model that. And, and, that takes a lot of effort and time and it I does. get it. I mean, it you, and I, you and I know that because we're doing that with our teachers, right? So, mm -hmm. I mean, it, it is, it, it takes some intentional thought and, and planning, but I think it's possible. Speaking of our educators, and we talked about being open-minded and how they can be advised on how Brendan Leonard will look like. How can any educator, whether you are a teacher, a para, a janitor, a principal, a superintendent, Without them being in that ed tech world, how can they stay on top of trends regarding digital learning, computer science, and STEM in order if they want to move their district forward? How can they stay? How how do you think they should stay on top of that kind of stuff? 
Well, I think the first thing is to get people in those positions who are experts in those fields. A lot of times I feel like we're pulling people into those positions because they aren't sure what it is and they don't know what they don't know, whether it's computer science, STEM, digital learning. Um, I think being able to take time again, and it does take time. It takes time to find the people that are the right fit for that job. Um, finding people who are not afraid to learn new strategies and new ideas. And, and honestly, this is huge. Being able to embrace those people once you have them in those positions, being able to embrace them as they think outside of the box. Cause you said it, I was like over here cheering. I didn't want to cheer on the podcast. When you said that you kept approaching saying, I'm coming at you with super big ideas. <laughs> and that is me. That is me all the time. I have crazy ideas that don't make sense to anybody else, but I'm already envisioning them. And I think we, all educators need to know how to embrace their coworkers in that way so yes. that they can also students, right? Uh -huh. I agree. I agree. And again, that's going back to, it's not just technology. It could be with anything. And you got to realize too, that as a, I'm not the expert on everything. And I've actually have to learn that these, these past two years, mm -hmm. there's a lot of people on my team that are really good at everything. And I have to humble myself because I don't know it all. When I was uh, when I was instructional technology specialist on a campus when there was 80 of us, I was that one person that people thought, well, you know everything. And I'm not gonna say I don't, the teachers didn't know anything, but like you were that expert. And so now fast forward two years later and there's a lot of us in our department now that we're all together and we pretty much move and move as one, we, there's a lot of strong people on our team that know a lot of stuff. And so I'm going to one person about, hey, um, literally today I have a partner that he is a phenomenal, shout out to Jacob Mitchell, to, uh, with uh, Excel and Google Sheets. Oh my God. Mm -hmm. Like he will tell you things backwards and forwards and you just watch it in his amazement. But he'll at the, at the end of it, when you ask him, well, how did you learn Alyssa? I watch videos. I read like it's the simplest thing that we that that educators don't think of, but it's right, right in front of you, and you're like, you'll even watch them. Like I'm on YouTube looking at this stuff right now because I don't know how to do X, Y, Z, but that's right. how I learn. Or I'm looking at this book, or I'm looking at this article. It, it it doesn't take much. I don't have to hold a big entire conference or a professional development day to figure out how to do one thing. I can just go and look it up. So um, and isn't that amazing thing. It is the yeah. most amazing thing. To me. And I, I really, I think that's important, you know, being able to know who your expert is and whether it's on your campus or it's in your state or it's on your Twitter feed. Lately, I get a lot of digital citizenship people, you know, asking me how that looks or how we're doing this. And um, I think also being able to own what you don't know. You said that earlier, you know, you can't know everything. And I really, learned how to say, I really, for example, I really am such a pre-K learner at e-games and e-sports and, but I'm so intrigued by it, right? Like I want to sit with all of you awesome panel people and, um, and learn it because gaming is kind of really where my ed tech journey started was playing Mario right. Kart and figuring out how the Atari was going to work blowing on my cartridge trying to make it work. That's where my start was too. <laughs> yeah. 
So I, I think again, you know, learning, just being able to say, you know, I don't know a lot about that, but so-and-so down the hall really does. And that's okay. Yeah. It's okay for us as educators to not know everything. <laughs> mm-hmm. And I think, you know, when you hire that, and I'm, I'm not, I'm still trying to stay away from saying digital or technology person, because this is with anybody. When you find that person in that new position, I think it's very important to have that one-on-one just conversation like, hey, you know, I'm not sure where to go. I have this vision in my head, but maybe you can talk me through. Tell me some of your ideas. Like, let's just have let's just have a rap session. Let's just talk. Let's see where we're going because I want you to be my partner in this. And I don't know the I don't know these things, but I know this role. How does that fit into what you think that it is? You're developing a partnership. You're developing a relationship with no matter what the position is. It's not necessarily, oh, I'm looking for this one person to fit this one role and that's all that they do. It's about, okay, well, yeah, I'm looking for that one person. But I also, when I'm looking for that one person, I want to build a relationship with you so we can collaborate and do things together because I don't want you to feel like you're on an island and I'm on an island. When Mm -hmm. I hire people, I'm hiring people and I don't hire people. I'm just saying this is a quote. <laughs> but right. when you hire people or when, when you want to hire people, you're hiring not just because they're the expert in data and, or Google Sheets or whatever, but you're hiring someone to be a part of your team. And you're hiring someone that to build that relationship and connect with with and to learn from. It's not it's not about, well, I'm hiring this one person, they're gonna just do what they need to do and I'm gonna leave them alone. And when I need something, I'll respond to them. You're hiring someone to have a relationship with within their field, within their content, so you can connect with each other. I think that's that. I think that's what I want our educators and our administrators and our leaders to understand. It's um, you're hiring to build a relationship with absolutely content and that's the most important thing that that's just my opinion i agree with that because it really it doesn't matter what the content area is right you're 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 hiring for that relationship and for that relationship on the team you're already looking for the expert that's the surface level when you're going on an interview you know what you're looking for in that expert okay well now how can we fit with each other right very important right very important i keep hearing about your students And this is no story. I mean, I know, I know this, but I want I want you to be able to share your story in just a minute. But it goes with this question: digital learning. Where do you see digital learning going for our students in this new year, and then this new decade? We are in like we that goes all the way back to that 1990 question. But where do you see it going, and where do you see the digital learning going for our leaders, our educators, and our administrators? Well, I see students needing more than ever to be able to really apply that technology knowledge and all the knowledge they're getting in high school or middle school um, in a purposeful, productive way so that they can take that to the workplace. Uh, You've hit on it already, but they need to be able to create, pull from any of their visions, you know, being able to sit and have a roundtable and hash things out, work on teams, be able to do that fluidly while also reading books and knowing how to write and communicate with other people. And, and you hit on that before, but I think that's really, you know, that needs to be our goal when we're in the classroom, whether we're teaching science or math or history or technology or computer, you know, computer science, it really is about teaching them how to take all of that and make something great and take their visions and practice it. 
and see what works and doesn't work. Um, being employable outside of those, those four walls of the classroom is really the key. Um, for our educators and administrators, we've already hit on this, but they need to practice what they're gonna preach. <laughs> if they want students to do a certain task with a certain tool, they better be modeling that day in and day out <laughs> so that those people watching them, looking for them to lead are seeing that. And, and honestly, Bradford, we have to give up our excuses. All of us do. We got to show students why they have to see, meet these certain goals and use these certain right. tools. And, and we have to be very transparent about that. We do. We do. I agree. I'm also going to say as far as the techie side of it, I do feel a shift. And I'm not going to say within our role, but you've hit a lot of it, a, a lot of it throughout this conversation, especially with your history of how you got into this role. And I'm just going to put it out there. I'm just going to be honest. I think it all boils down to computer science and, 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 and STEM, but specifically computer science, because I think that's the direction of where we're headed with our students and with our teachers. Is there going to be a computer science learning specialist? Um, I'm going to say, no, I wouldn't want that because the way I see it is that it's already in the content. So you're not looking for a, computer science specialist. You may need a coordinator. In fact, shout out to Shannon Glass. She's one of our, she's our coordinator. She does an amazing work. So Love I think her. So this, shout out to her too. Love yeah. her. Yeah. So <laughs> she is, a coordinator is needed. I think the way we learn and shift, I feel like the computer science part of it should be embedded in every single content. You know, area. truly, I believe that as well. And, and I didn't know that I believed it but I lived it. Um, you know, when I went and, and I spoke about this before in my, in my story on how I got into ed tech, but I went to LCU really wanting to teach computers. And the only way that I could get certified to do that was back then was to take CIS computer information systems. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And so in those classes, Bradford, I was sitting in there, there were two females, in a room full of males, this is 1996, seven. And I struggled in the beginning so much because I had never been exposed to that process, that process of logic, right? Cause it's all, I mean, it is all logic. I had never been exposed to the process of trying something and failing and it being okay. Right. And then, and then going at it again and trying again and again and again. And I will tell you in those years that I was studying CIS and taking all these programming classes, I wasn't sure I was gonna make it. I sat mm. in my office every day after class. Um, and, and, and shout out to Lynn Mason. Uh, she was the professor for the CIS classes with all of these male students, but she, you know, she and I didn't know what was going on. I was just trying to pass these classes and get my degree, but really what was happening is she was modeling for me that I could do anything I wanted and it didn't matter what my gender was, didn't matter what my background was, and it was okay for me to fail. I didn't have to make an A. <laughs> Did that intimidate you? I mean, I'm, I'm sure you, uh, your professor, like, you know, like you said, she modeled, she did everything that she could for you. But being around all, all of those males, did that make the content even worse for you because you were around all these males? Yes, because most of those males were coming in with the intention of programming. 
you know, I mean, and that was really back then, that was the intent. There were, I just remember so many, and there was just one other female with me. So we definitely sat together and, and struggled together, but it was intimidating because I came in feeling like I didn't know anything and I didn't, and they already had been exposed to it. While I was working on AOL chatting, finding chat rooms and figuring out how to globally right. connect, they were programming, you know, in high school. And I, you know, shout out to cheerleaders. I know there's that cool Netflix series called cheer. I always have to shout out to cheerleaders. I was a cheerleader, but back then cheerleading was my life. And I really didn't honestly didn't even know that programming was an option or that I could actually do it until I got to LCU. Well, you know what? And I'm, I'm a band person. So I was the band geek and proud of it. Um, back then, yeah. I, I'm not gonna say we didn't have any choices. We had a choice, but you stuck with that one thing. Yes. You stuck with it for four to five years. That was what you did. Yes. I always would tell my own kids, Patrick and Aurora, like you guys have so many options. They were, they followed my path. They did the music thing. My daughter did choir. My son did band, but they didn't stay in it for four or five years. They only did like a year or two, and they were out. This because not because they didn't like it anymore. There are other things that are coming at them that they're interested in, and um, I want them just to be exposed to me to know that you know this is how things are done. Did you have to stay in there four or five years? That's totally up to you. But there are these other options that are at that are just coming at them, and I supported what they did because they want to try new things. On my end, I told them when I was 16, 17, 18. It was our, no, it was my senior year and the homecoming game and you walk across the field with your mom and your dad and they talk about things that you've done and you're supposed to write that down. And I was, I will never forget it though. I was with my friend Christy and we want to write you know, things that we did and all we did was ban. And we looked at each other <laughs> and go, but that's, that's pretty sad. I mean, it's great that we did it. Don't get me wrong, but we weren't in any clubs. We... We didn't do anything else because band, like cheerleading, takes up everything. So you can't be in student council. You could, you could do all those things, but it's really difficult. So we made, we made it a point, you know, well, this year we are not going to make band our priority. We're going to do these things. And the director. Oh, you did that your senior year. Is that my, correct? My junior senior year, because I, well, not only because, you know, the whole college thing too, I wanted to put other things for college. But we said, talk like, we can't just say that all we did was ban. We, so we, I have the same story because when I was a senior, I was, man, I've not done anything else. <laughs> so I need to like do something. So I was like student council, choir president. Uh, I, I ran for um, class officer. So I got secretary, shout out Seminole High School. Indians class of 1995. I'm still planning those reunions, by the way, because I wanted to be the secretary. <laughs> um, so, but you're right. There was not a lot of choices and it was sort of the norm to like do the thing that you started out doing for all four years. Right. Yeah. That was just, or when you were a little kid, yeah. like, and I, and, and you know, and not to go back to it, but yeah, I'd watch, I watched cheer too. I'm, I haven't finished it yet, but oh, oh, you know, it's going to be so good. <laughs> I, I, the whole con I know the whole concept of it is, and it's bizarre, but you don't think about it, but like they say, you know, after Daytona, that's it. I'm done. <laughs> and they're like, they don't like, well, what do we do? Like we work so hard to get to this point, 
but it all boils down to two minutes at the end of the mm-hmm. year. And whether you win or not, you're Somewhere. it's over. And some of them, I know some of those kids are like, well, what do I do? I don't know what to do. Like, this is all I know. There is no, um, there are some, I have a friend that, that did it before she passed, but there is no, I'm going to be a cheerleader business man or woman. I'm going to own this company. I mean, those, those exist, but they're like, they're spotty, but um, yeah. no, you're, and that was kind of that, that might, you know, really that laptop saved me because that would have been wow. me like, oh, I have, what am I going to do? I, I was about to go to college and I didn't know what I was good at. I knew I was good at cheerleading. I mean, and that's great for that season in my life. But like you said, I can't like make a living off of that. So that laptop essentially saved me because it really did. I still have it too. Um, it does not come on wow. and I lost the power but I kept that laptop. It's with all of my like memorable stuff because it was so significant in my path to getting to where I am now. So yeah, and I think that's very important. As far, when we're talking about the digital learning and what's new, is we have to start now exposing it to pre-K, pre-K now, and all the way up, and computer yes. science all the way up. And we're just offering exposure. We're just offering it into the curriculum because. These kids coming in already know how to use a tablet. They may not use it the best way, but they already know how to do these things. So the way I approach it with my kids when I was on campus is, you, I know you already know how to do these things. You know how to play a PlayStation. You know how to use an iPad. But now I'm going to teach you how to use it as a professional. And then they yeah. stop. They go, oh, well, what does that mean? Let me show you what it means. Because I... What what you do at home is your own business. I can't control your digital citizenship at home. I can't control what you look at at home, but I can control what happens here. And I'm teaching you how to be a professional while you're online and why and how you use devices and how you can do it with your students and your teachers. And so they really start to perk up and listen and go, okay, well, what can I do? And I remember to this day, my 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 pitch was, how many of you would like to never do homework again and just and just turn it in and the teacher already has it. They're like, ooh, ooh. And I never talked about the tech. I just talked about a simple way to do things. You know, how would you like to walk out of the classroom and do something on, by the time you get on the bus, your homework is done. You haven't put out a piece of paper. They're like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. What, how can you, Mr. Harris, show us. Here's Google Drive or here's this or here's that. And they start right. really perking up. Teachers, instead of giving them a paper or something, have you thought about, giving them choice how about them doing a podcast how about them um doing a google slide and it's not about it is about them giving choice but but i also want to hey that's easier on you because you're just taking something small home to listen to or look at it's a time saver it's a (laughs) there it is by giving them choice you're you're saving yourself time now of course yeah you need to control that and narrow it down but give them that choice. And I, I, we're going all, all off topic and I know I have to edit all of this, but like even my daughter, you know, she goes, she does online school. Funny because they still want, they, they wanted her to build an ocean diorama, but they still, they, what they wanted was, you know, we want you to build the diorama out of shoebox or whatever. We want you to build it and take a picture and then send it to me as a teacher. I'm like, well, Award? Did they give you an option of you're an online school? Did they give you the choice of doing all of these other things? They go, no. I said, ask your teacher. Can you do it in Minecraft? 
hey, you doing in Minecraft? And she, uh, and my wife was like, oh, no, they're not going to do that. I'm like, they're on, it's an online campus. <laughs> ask them. It doesn't hurt to ask. So she asked, and she said, yes. I said, great. And it's so funny because she struggled with the, the hardware part of building it. But once she got into Minecraft, I'll have to see you in the video. Um, she got to town, and it was amazing. We did it on the X. She built it on the Xbox. Awesome. And from there, she said, well, how am I going to send it? I said, on Xbox, you can, since I have the Xbox Live or whatever, we record. you can record it, and we both have Xbox Live accounts. You can send it to me. I'll download it. I'll edit what you want me to edit, and we'll put it in Google Drive or YouTube, wherever you want, and we'll send it to her. To her. I don't know. I'm sure she got an A on it. <laughs> but then she told so me, well, isn't it interesting? It's so funny. <laughs> I kind of do you so I sometimes feel bad for the teachers that my kids get. <laughs> and whenever we go to meet the teacher, like the first the first meet the teacher, they'll be like, we're really sorry, but we're not super tech savvy like you are. I, for some reason, they feel like they have to tell me that. Um, but it's funny because today Avery came home and she was she was saying, we'll have to do this interview. And I picked my yeah. friend's mom and I said, well, can you like do a FaceTime interview and like screen record it from your phone? Because that'd be really cool. Like you could just turn that in. So I think my daughter gets a little bit annoyed also whenever I ask her, well, is there an alter, can you do it a different way? I mean, <laughs> as your did you ask the teacher if you could do it a different way? But I think, you know, you and I naturally think that way and think about one, it's easier for the teacher, but two, it really meets that learner, like your daughter, you know, struggled with constructing it physically there, you know, Jace, um, he's a childhood cancer survivor, I'll tell you, his, his struggle right now is writing, handwriting, he struggles so much, he, I know he's going to end up with arthritis in his hand from the chemo, and a lot of times I have to fight my battles in that way just to say, well, Maybe you can do this instead. Let's ask your teacher and you email your teacher and see what she says. But just teaching our kids to have that conversation with their educators, right? I mean, oh yeah. Being oh, yeah. able I to think ask that's those thing. questions. Yeah, it's a it, yeah, there's what is it, two sides to every coin where we're asking the teacher to do things. We have to be able to empower our students to say the same things by giving them choice. Hey, can I do it th this way? And the parents as well, they have we have to say, hey, you know. Can we? Can my child do it this way? I think my child will benefit more from doing it like this. Not necessarily like it's going to help the teeth. Oh, well, this will help you too, but that has backfired on me being, and I'm sure it has on you being a technology person. Oh, we can just do it this way, but the teacher's like, no, I really need it. Okay, we'll do it that way, you know, and we know we eat our humble pie, but yeah. there, there's a purpose. There, there's still purpose, and purpose to everything that a teacher is asking to do, but I still feel that, you know, try to give them that choice option. Uh, even even with our teachers, try to give them that choice option of how to get things done. But, you know. They're amazing. They are amazing. I told my teachers that last week. I said, you give them an open-ended scenario and give them a choice and how they're going to show you that learning. They will blow your mind every single time, every time. And they won't use the same app and they will actually teach you things that they have known that have been uncovered they haven't been they've been covered up right they've been sitting there in the desk all day nobody's ever asked them to open up that little treasure of knowledge yeah. and then like, open-ended and it just explodes oh yeah this isn't my final question but you know i i wanted to i wanted actually to give a shout out to your students because i've talked to some of your students before 
And throughout this whole entire conversation, you you speak student driven. You, you not just in a club, but your campus is student driven. You empower your students to pretty much run your campus. And you talked about your SWAT team. How did you how did you get all of that developed? And what made you decide our students need to be doing these things? So as an instructional technologist or digital learning coach, I had been in it for a while and I was moving campuses. But in 2017, they told me, well, you're going to be on this one campus. We're going to keep you at the high school next year, full time. And I had, I had been at conferences and heard Cody Holt speak. And as I would sit in those sessions, I thought, this is the most incredible idea. How can I get this to my campus? Now that I'm there full time, how can I make that work? And I worked so hard at putting together a plan, a skeleton outline. Um, I really played devil's advocate with myself as I was planning because I thought if I was an administrator, what pieces of this would I say no to? <laughs> and then the, the digital coach would go, okay, I need to have solutions for each one of these because I didn't want them to say no. And so I presented that out. And um, my vision was really just a, a student tech team that was going to get real world experience every day with me and I was going to mentor them. And what happened, like with any idea, it snowballed into this incredible experience where we were pulling in John Maxwell leadership coaches and having roundtable meetings with them once a week, being able to create an adopted teacher program so that we could really focus on building relationships in our campus and, and building culture. It has snowballed into this incredible experience where my students and the new students coming in are empowered to be level one and level two educator certified in Google. Yes. So that better serve their peers and better serve those educators that they're working side by side with and better serve those, those administrators. And when that happened, I honestly, Bradford, it was just a plan. I thought, let's see, let's see what happens if I throw this at them. Let's just see. And so I've implemented it. it works so well that now they all get certified by December and it's, it's the most empowering thing to watch them start off unconfident of their abilities and talents and learning. Um, so, some of them struggle with ADD. Some of them struggle with dyslexia. I mean, I, they're coming in. They're not, some of them didn't even know technology at all. And what I've done is really given them a unique foundation of digital uh, production. They're doing that. They're doing help desk, customer service. They're learning how to get certified in Google. They're learning, uh, if you haven't seen them on Twitter, at CISD SWAT, they are learning social media management. They're learning how to engage with adults and people who are in professions that they wanna do digital portfolios. They've now been working with companies like Wakelet and Flipgrid which, on projects that are just, I couldn't even have dreamed that they would be doing this, right? And so 
it, it really gives them a unique experience and opportunity. And I feel so blessed. It's the best years out of my 20 years to be able to plant seeds of knowledge and learning and leadership, and then really be able to see it bloom right before my eyes, which as a teacher in the classroom, that didn't happen before. Right. So, so what you're saying is really, you have a project-based learning class and they're not just in my class reporting my five, five minutes. Some of them may be out in other classrooms, talking with other students, talking with other teachers, even though I'm on one campus, I am not the only one and I'm modeling how I don't have to be the only one. It doesn't have to be a 16, 17, 18 year old. It could be teacher, but my, I'm using my students to yes. model. Yes. What and that, that's exactly right. That's what they're doing. I'm empowering them to be able to go into classrooms. If I am, if I'm in a classroom co-teaching with a teacher, I still have 830 kids that are still out there that may need me and 49 other teachers that may need my help. So what I did is really just expand so that those students can go in those classrooms. They can troubleshoot things like projectors or, uh, you know, the computers, laptops, and things like that. But they can also teach students how to use Google and how to create things in Google Drive and how to download apps and how to how to app smash, you know, Buncee with Wakelet with Flipgrid, which is something they were talking about today. They actually are really excited because Monday they're going to work on that and they're going to put a video together to teach the students um, at the school how to do that and they didn't know what app smashing was before today right they were doing it they didn't know that that's what that was called so it it is a project-based learning class for sure they're they're going out and really getting that real world experience and and building those relationships again it always come back comes back to that but they learn how to build relationships and i give them some leadership strategies and you know they're learning time management project management team building i'm there's so much in that class class what class doesn't do that? I mean, yeah, it all should be in the building camps, but that's an, that sounds like an amazing class. I, I need to talk to you off to the side about like how you develop and how you have that happen. Yes, I am going to go to your campus and, yes. and see it in action. But like, that's amazing that it's like, it's not necessarily, you're not getting quote, quote, certs, like a, get a CTE certification. I mean, you probably are in some aspects, but when you walk out and graduate, I'm giving you a tool that you've been, a couple of ideas and tools under your belt that you've done for a whole entire year. So when you're ready to go to college or the real world, you can handle, and we'll just say Google out there, you know how to open up a Google or you know how to connect two different apps together or you know how to problem solve in this one class. Whereas in most classes, I want you to critically think for this one or two questions for like 10 minutes and then I'm going to guide you to something else. It sounds like your whole entire class is this whole entire class from the minute you walk in till it's time for summer, we're doing nothing but Robert, you have no idea. I we <laughs> I come home sometimes super tired. <laughs> I really wonder why sometimes, but then I'll go, wow, we problem solved from the minute I got there till the minute I got back home. It is a continuous problem solving adventure. Um, from anything like, you know, you know, Mary Alice, shout out Mary Alice, be like, hey, you know, let's do this YouTube live with your kids or Jennifer Cassatod will say, hey, do your kids want to participate in this in this uh, Twitter chat? And I just usually say yes to everything that I think will really 
benefit them down the down the road. But a lot of times we don't know how it's going to look. So we're always trying to problem solve what's that going to look like, or I'm trying to figure out how to convince their teachers that this really is beneficial for them to be missing, you know, 20 minutes of math to be in here to talk to this global audience. It's interesting because I have had to validate this idea in this class every year, which I think is fine comes down to mindset, right? comes down to that uh, compartmentalizing everything. But when they presented to the board, our, our school board in May, um, you know, I don't say anything. I just watch them present. We, I do all the work sort of behind the scenes. And then when they are presenting to an audience or at a conference, it's all them. They are practicing those skills. Um, I, I feel like we're doing, a, I don't know if you've heard of Toastmasters, uh, where you pay to go be a part of this club where you have to go uh, learn how to public speak. Mm. <laughs> so, like I'm doing Toastmasters in there with them as well. And I, I record them talking to the camera or ask them random questions and have them critique themselves. It, it's a lot of self-criticism. -crit they're looking at themselves going, oh, well, I didn't do that so well and I could improve on that. And I think that's really the key. They're learning that confidence and they're being okay with it not being perfect, right? right. They're, they're just always being coachable. And I think we can learn, all of us can learn from that to always be coachable. One of the questions that was, what advice do you have for people who feel intimidated? Um, that's it. <laughs> so is that, it? Is that gonna yeah, be it? Okay, well, that's the question. here's my advice. For you guys out there that are feeling intimidated, uh, whether you are a student, a, an educator, an administrator, a stakeholder in any capacity for education, um, take it one step at a time, right? One tool, one idea at a time, it's not gonna happen overnight. That is the same case with SWOT, it didn't happen overnight. Um, be patient with the process. Uh, I <laughs> use the analogy. You can't buy a cake box and take it home and expect it to be a cake once you walk in the door. Like, that's right. not going to happen. You have to mix it and read the, the instructions and measure and cook it. And then you have to taste it. And it may not taste exactly right. So you go try again and you change it up. And I think that's the process that we have to use in approaching any new change, whether it's Correct. implementing blended learning, digital learning, badging, devices, whatever the changes, we really New have curriculum. to remember, right, one step at a time. That goes back to just even being open-minded, being willing to reach out to someone who is an expert and you are sharing your ideas together. I think that's important. And, and it's okay that you don't, that you don't know. It's okay to ask questions. You you don't have to be uh, the expert at everything and come up with a plan for yourself. Like write, write some things down on a piece of paper and say, you know what, I want to, what are the top three things or that you would like to learn this year? For example, mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be tech. It can be with anything that you would like to be a little bit more knowledgeable on and sit right. down with the person and come up with that plan and let yourself be be vulnerable. I mean, you got your spot for, everybody got their spot for a reason, whatever reason that is, but you don't know everything. I don't know everything. You don't know everything. We all don't know everything. And that's why we outsource other people who are the experts in their field. But if you're- I, I, on, my, on my Twitter header, I don't know if you've noticed, but it says always learning. Yes, um, yes. That is the 
same background that I have right now on my home computer and the same background that I have at school because I never want to forget that I don't know everything and that I always have to continuously be open to learning and, and hear those different perspectives and voices that are around me. So just making me better. Who knew, what was it, <laughs> three years ago that we would still be having this, conver- we're still having these conversations. I mean, it's come full circle. That's why I definitely owe you in me coming out because you've done so many things for me that you just don't know. I mean, I haven't implemented a sw- uh, SWAT team. Maybe you need to talk to my boss, but like <laughs> your vision and your ideas and the way you just look at things and you bring that, you coming and bring that passion to my district. It's all come full circle. Ever since we met that that day, that that one hour where we were, we were standing hoping we would be the recipient and we didn't, I think we both walk away with, okay, so we're not the recipient, but we've done so much and I'm going to use my knowledge to, we're going to use our knowledge to communicate with each other because you've done so many great things. I've done so many great things. Let's talk about how we can just build it together. It doesn't stop at CEA. It doesn't stop at, you know, just that award ceremony is now I know you. And I know you feel the same way because I freak out every time I see you anywhere. <laughs> like when, when I, I, I'm, I always feel bad for the people around us when I see people like you because I freak out. Like you, you know, a complete loud scream. Like I don't oh want to let that go. <laughs> oh my God. Yeah. Like I was so happy when our TCA chairman said, you know, how about this for, actually, I think I recommended you or he recommended you. I don't remember. Like, yeah, you need to get her. She needs to come down for sure. She needs to be. I had the best time at TCCA. I really just so much enjoyed that experience and, and everybody down there. And I I got to hang out with Jake Miller for a little bit. So that was really cool because I listened to his podcast too. And I had never met him in person, but it's so great. The relationships that we've built um, just, you know, at conferences or on Twitter and, and building that personal learning network, because I really do feel like I know you and I really, yeah. it's like a family, right? Like, I feel like it's family when I see, see those people that I've really built those relationships with. So thank you so much for having me on. I yes. was so about this and I felt so honored to be on a podcast. I, I told my kids that I was doing a podcast and they thought it was so cool. Oh, so we good. Definitely, we definitely, now you have to remember, you're going to be on our podcast when these, these SWAT kids put together their, their own broadcast. That oh, is awesome. I, I'll be honored. Truly. I'll yes. Be honored. So excited. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking with me I, again. Like, uh, this is, of course, you know, I will see you if I, I will see you physically at ISTE, uh, but, <laughs> but we will, you will see me at ISTE. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Thank you again. Thank you so much for speaking with me and taking the time out of your busy day. Thank you so much. Thank you, Bradford. On behalf of the speakers and myself of this episode, I hope you enjoyed listening to TickerPod. If you'd like to connect with Tisha Poncio, you can follow her on Twitter at txtechchick and her website, tishaponsio.wordpress.com. Please make sure you follow me, Bradford Harris, at EdTechTinker on Twitter and subscribe to my podcast available on platforms such as Anchor, Google, Spotify, Apple, and many more. I'll see you next time as I host another great topic on TinkerPod.